You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. We're back on the book of Acts. Last week we took a little detour because uh, the electricity went out, but the power was still here. That's the most, that's the most church thing I'll say all day. But it, was, it, was, it actually turned out to be really a fun little Sunday. So, All right, so we're back on the book of Acts. Um, we're, during this series, we're going we're gonna to hit on some super like foundational things for your faith, some things you really need to understand. And today we're going to talk about one of the most foundational truths in the whole Bible. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And specifically the Holy Spirit as he is revealed to us in the book of Acts and, and throughout the rest of Scripture. So there's a lot of important people you're going to meet in Acts. Um, Luke, the author, we talked about him. Uh, you're going to meet a guy named Saul who becomes Paul. Uh, Peter, uh, there, there's some... What is that noise? You hear that? Is that from my microphone? Y'all don't hear anything? All right, cool. All right, so, so it's, it's just the voices in my head. <laughs> they like you, Tommy. It's okay. So... <laughs> So there's all these different characters in the book of Acts, and, but the most important character we're going to meet is the Holy Spirit. I would even be willing to say this. Like, I think if Luke, Luke didn't name the book of Acts. Someone else named it Acts of the Apostles. I think if Luke would have named it, he would have named it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because this is a book about the Holy Spirit. It, is, it starts in Acts 1, Acts 1.1. It says this. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's in the very beginning of Acts. The Holy Spirit is an amazing, important character in this book. And, and I want to share something, too, with you guys, because I know small groups are meeting and are talking about the book of Acts. You need to know this. A resurrected Jesus, when he walked around, had a body. I know some people thought, was it like a hologram? No, he was, he was resurrected. Physically, he walked around with people. As a matter of fact, he showed Thomas the scars on his hands. And what does it say he's doing with the disciples? He's eating with them. So like a resurrected Jesus had a resurrected physical body. And I think that's really cool to know. And so he's walking around with his disciples and he's telling them, okay, wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you a gift. It's the gift my father promised. And guys, when Jesus talks about the gift his father promised, if you go back and look at the Old Testament, there are mentions of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit uh, wasn't born on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has always been. And in the Old Testament, there's all these prophecies and promises of the coming of the Holy Spirit, that, that he will be with his people in a new way, and that there will be a Messiah who's full of the Spirit. And Jesus said, and you've heard me talk about this Spirit. When Jesus was with his disciples, he would frequently talk about the Holy Spirit. And you know, one of the things I love about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all telling the same story, but from a slightly different perspective, just like you and I would do. And John really gravitates toward this Holy Spirit conversation. Something in John, this, this resonated with him. And so John did an amazing job of capturing these conversations from Jesus about this Spirit. John 14, 16 says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, 
so that he may be with you forever. The helper advocate is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. All right, so Jesus says, guys, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send another helper. Another meaning, one like me. Jesus, is, he's going to send you another advocate. Do y'all, do y'all know the word advocate? What, what does an advocate do? Advocates. Good job. Where's, is Clarissa still in here, or she go back to kids? All right, Clarissa, Clarissa, you're an advocate. Clarissa has long been an advocate for children. Uh, she's an advocate for infants, toddlers, and preschool. Every, I've known you for, what, 12, 13 years now. You're older than me, but I've known you for a while. And so she, she's long been an advocate for little kids. And if you know Clarissa, you know that. And so when Clarissa is talking about little kids, she always has an agenda, and that's okay. The Holy Spirit has come, but Jesus says he has an agenda. And we're going to find out in a minute what his agenda is. But he, he's going to come to help you and to be an advocate and, and, to, and to help you live as God has designed you to live, to help you find the truth of God in your life. And then Jesus makes a really amazing statement. Because when Jesus was with the disciples, he's in human flesh, right? And in human flesh, he has allowed himself to be bound by space and time. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I'm here, I'm not also there. Does that make sense? And if you're here and there at the same time, we need to talk. Because that's an issue. Like, Jesus allowed himself to be in human body. So the God of the universe allowed himself to be bound by space and time. But Jesus wanted the message of Jesus to to leave Jerusalem, to go all across the world. So there had to be a way to get the message out that wasn't bound by space and time. And so listen to what Jesus says in John 16, 7. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, then I will send him to you. So Jesus' view of this Holy Spirit is so high that Jesus said, it's actually better for you that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send you the Spirit. Guys, they were hanging out with Jesus, God in a body, uh, one who could, who could do all these miracles. Jesus says, it's going to be better for you if I go away, because when I go away, I will send you this advocate. And so before we move forward in the book of Acts, I want us to stop today and share a foundational understanding of who this Holy Spirit is. Who did Luke think he was writing about when he wrote about the Holy Spirit? Who does John think Jesus is talking about? Who does Je- they all have a backstory they're drawing from. And our backstory is because uh, this room is made up of 177 different denominations, right? And some of you are making up a new one on your way here. It's 178 <laughs> right now. It's growing as I speak. But like people always ask me, is this a non-denominational church? No, this is an interdenominational church because it's a bunch of different things woven together to create whatever this is. And so there's all these different views on the Holy Spirit. And what we tend to do, as a matter of fact, I'm willing to bet that when I said I was going to preach about the Holy Spirit, because of your background view, someone got a little nervous. You're like, oh, what's he going to do? Are there going to be snakes involved? Like, where are we going with this, right? (laughs) Others of you are like, it's about time. Here he goes. (laughs) Right? Here we go. We're going to get this spirit thing. And so we've got all these different ideas about the Holy Spirit. And some churches seem to be about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And other churches seem to be about the Father, Son, and the Holy Scripture as if there is no Holy Spirit. And so where do we stand? Because you cannot make your way through the book of Acts with any understanding of what's going on if we don't share a base understanding about the Spirit. 
And our job is not to come to this book and say, what's it mean to me? Our job is to come to this book and say, what did it mean to Luke? When Luke wrote about the Holy Spirit, what's he talking about? When Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, what's he talking about? And so let's, let's try to get a foundational understanding of what they're thinking about when they talk about the Holy Spirit, and then we can figure out what it means to us. Cool? Cool. Genesis 1-1, because the story of the Holy Spirit seems to start before Pentecost. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, leave that up there for me, Kathy, if you don't mind. There's, there's, there's two characters in this story so far. This is page one of the Bible, guys. There's, there's an introduction of God, and then the very next character introduced is who? The Spirit. So on page one of your Bible, we've met two people who are one person. We've met God and the Holy Spirit. And the biblical narrative, the author wants you to know is that God is the author and creator of all things. That God is, is the beginning, right? God is the alpha. That means nothing comes before. There is God. And then there's this other character, the Holy Spirit, who in the beginning, who's also always been, is hovering over this dark creation. He's hovering over chaos. He's, he's hovering over darkness and emptiness. And he is preparing to carry out the will of God. And so when Luke and Jesus and all these people talk about the Holy Spirit, all this backstory is in their brains, right? As a matter of fact, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, they're using a very specific Hebrew word. And some of you know it, but some of you don't. And this is why if I seem a little even more excited than normal today, it's because so many of us are going to learn something new today. There's a word they use to describe the Holy Spirit when they're talking about it, and the word is ruach. Matter of fact, check this out. Ruach. 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 Y'all got it? Well, let's all try it together. Now, don't, don't be afraid. It's okay because we're all going to fail. Let's go. On the count of three, let's all together. One, two, three. Ruach. You got it? Ruach. All right, so, so that's, that's the word. When they talk about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, they're using the word ruach. Now, what, what's, what does that mean? Here's what it means. I want everyone to hold your hand in front of your mouth like this. Come on, group participation. And I want you to say hello. Altoid, anyone? <laughs> step one. All right, let's try it again. Though. Let's try it again. Hold your, hold your hand up. Hello. Do you feel something? Can you see it? No. What, you, what this is, in the Hebrew, what they would have, this is your ruach. The, the, when, the, when they're talking about ruach, in, in Hebrew, there is no word for brain. There is no word for mind. There is no word for total self. There is this word for breath, and that word is ruach. And it's so, something you can, you can see. Uh, I mean, you can't see, but you can feel it. As a matter of fact, if someone next to you right now was to collapse and fall down on the ground, we thought maybe they were dead, the first thing we would do is, is probably get down and put our ear by their mouth and see if we could hear their ruach. That's divine breath. When they talk about the Holy Spirit, what they are talking about is this divine breath of God that is the complete essence of God. It's the fullness. It's the will of God that in your breath contains all that you are. The fullness of who you are is contained in this idea of ruach. 
It's the divine breath of God. And so when they are talking about the Holy Spirit, they're using a word, ruach. And how does God release his spirit into the world? How did you just release your spirit? How did you release it? You spoke, didn't you? Listen to this. Genesis 1, 2, Genesis 1, 3, excuse me. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke and the spirit went out and brought light where there was darkness, brought order where there was chaos, brought hope where there was hopelessness. When God spoke, the spirit went out into the world and began to do this will of God. And so this amazing, strange, beautiful mystery is that God is God the Father, creator of all things, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of humanity, and God the Holy Spirit, the power and the will of God. And that this Spirit is one with God, yet God can send this Spirit out into the world to do things. They're together, but distinct and unique. And that God releases His Spirit into the world to bring peace and hope and joy and order and light. Genesis 2 says this, Then the Lord God formed man or formed humanity from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So when they talk about the Holy Spirit, they remember, these guys had Genesis memorized, guys. Matter of fact, they had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Try that when you get bored this week. Like, that's, that's some effort. They, and so when they're thinking about the Holy Spirit, they believe that they exist as two things, dirt and divine breath that they are the combination of dirt and divine breath and life, that, that when God breathed into them, there was life, that that's what this spirit does in the world. And so this is the spirit that Jesus has told them to wait on. And we get kind of confused in our society because people take this idea of spirit and divine breath and they say things like, well, um, because God created me, then I am perfect just as I am because I've got this spirit in me. And that, that's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is that we are fallen, broken people, and we desperately need a Savior. The message of the Bible is not you are perfect just as you are. The message is we are messed up and need Jesus. And it's this Spirit who comes with an agenda, an advocate, and He's changing things in us. The other weird thing you hear in our world is this, and I know every one of you have heard this from somebody. I'm not really a Jesus person, but I am spiritual. Y'all ever heard that? What's that even mean? You're spiritual. Like, can you walk through walls? Like, <laughs> you're not a Jesus person, but you're spiritual. And so th this is what happens with the understanding of the Holy Spirit. He gets all convoluted in our world. But they have a base understanding that this spirit has an agenda. And, and the way you know whether or not this spirit is present is not just because you exist. It's, is your life pointing towards Christ? Matter of fact, John 14, he says, this, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. This Holy Spirit, this Advocate, he has an agenda. And the agenda is not that he would be this, you know, weird divine force that flows through everything and it's all good and all roads lead to Rome. The Spirit points people to a person and the person is Jesus the Christ. And if that's not happening, then you should question whether or not the Spirit is in you. 
But if you have given your life to Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. And like, this, this, this should blow our mind. Jesus followers, we don't trust our gut. We don't trust instinct. We don't follow our heart. We are inhabited by the Ruach of God. And the breath of God right now is hovering over the dark areas of your life, the chaotic areas of your life, the fearful areas of your life, the areas where you're mourning, the areas where you're hurting. The areas where there is chaos and disorder, the spirit of the living God is hovering, waiting for you to simply open your free will to the divine breath so that he might bring peace. So that he might bring peace. So that he might bring peace. We carry all this fear, all this turmoil, all this angst, all this past, all this worry, all this pain, and the same power that raised Christ from the grave is in you, hovering over all of these areas, preparing for you to experience peace. Do you know what I see that's most lacking in the world, guys? You just got a pretty strong hint. Peace. When I meet people who don't know Jesus, what I, 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 they're missing peace. But I see it in those of us who do know him. It's like we've forgotten. He said, my peace I give you. I don't give you like the world gives. The world gives peace if everything's good with your finances. The world gives peace if everything's good with your marriage. The world gives peace if everything's good with your kids. If everybody's healthy, if everybody's just fine, then the world gives peace. But God gives a peace that supersedes all of those things. A peace that passes all human understanding. A peace that can only be found. I just watched a mom stand up here who's been through some things, girl, and there is peace in you. Because the Holy Spirit is breathing over life. That's our reality. Don't let the world convince you that your peace depends on the world. Don't let them convince you that your peace depends on anything other and the prince, the king, the spirit in you, he is God. He's one with God. He carries the divine will of God and the power of God. What are we so afraid of? I'm going to do a podcast soon on the things that could kill the American church. And uh, most of you are going to love it. And uh, some of the things that can kill the American church are like mask mandates. Uh, we, we, we've seen that, what that would do. People having to bring their own chairs. These, these are things, these are deadly things for the American church. Summertime. Uh, phew, if it was nonstop summer, the American church would just fade. It. Rain. Woo! <laughs> Rain can kill the American church. Um, so what if we all begin to actually believe that the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave was in us? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to the king of the world. Um, the only thing I can tell you is this. Peace is available. And when you lose the false peace you have, come talk to me and I'll introduce you to the real thing. Because he wants you. Right now, he's hovering, preparing. Today we open our hearts and let him in. But we cannot go through the book of Acts without understanding who the star of the show is. He loves you. 
and desires to bring peace to every part of your life, open your heart and let him in. This is what he does. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.